We are now moving to our third sermon series. And that's exciting because that means we have now, I've gotten all the way through the first sermon series, which is Stay Ready So You Don't Have to Get Ready, which is the sermon series that God used to help me get to the point where it's okay for me to share my faith, my religion, my spiritual journey, and my conversations with him with other people. And then we have the second sermon series, which was mental health, which was so much closer to me than even stay ready so you don't have to get ready because mental health is my struggle. I don't want to say every day, but it's my it's my journey. It's my it it's even deeper. It digs even deeper into just a deeper part of who I am and what I go through and what brings me to God. Because I feel like I was just saying my faith has been so strong that it's stronger than my doubt. And that's what's gotten me through any mental health issues that I may have been having. But even more than that, I really wanted to focus on how mental health and spirituality or Christianity or religion or relationship with God can go hand in hand and they don't have to be things that are opposites. And so now we'll move into the third sermon series just because it builds off of the last two. So in the last one, I talked of in mental health, I talked a lot about my purpose and how my purpose comes from the book of Psalms, Psalms 1 through 4, Psalms 1, 1 through 4. Oh, one through three. Sorry. Um, And Psalms one, one through three says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who mediates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And. So that's what God gave me as a promise. He he said, as long as I'm taking counsel from people who are not wicked and I don't stand in the way of sinners or stand with people who make fun of others, then I will, and if I, delight in his word, if I read his word and I learn his word and I study his word day and night, then I will be planted like a tree next to a river. So a tree that's planted next to a river doesn't have to look for a food source. So I'll be planted like a tree next to a river and I'll yield fruit in season and my leaves will never wither which meaning I'll never have to worry about shading. I'll never have to worry about finding a source of nutrients because whatever I do will prosper. All of the things that I do will work. With this in mind, with this promise in mind, which I got after my purpose, which my purpose has been to spread light, spread joy, spread hope, spread peace. If I know that my purpose is to spread positivity, just to bundle it all in one. 
And the promises, if I do those things and if I don't walk in step with wicked or take counsel from the wicked or mock or and I also am studying the word of God, then I will be like a plant or be like a tree planted next to a river yielding fruit in all seasons and whatever I do will prosper. And so my next question for me, because I never stop. I don't want to say questioning God, but I never stop conversing with God and communing with God and really trying to dig and find the deepest depths of studying the word, like meditating on the word and trying to figure out what it all means. Right. And so I've gotten to this, you know, yields fruit in all season. And my question was, what fruit am I yielding? Right. What what fruit? What is the fruit that I'm going to be yielding in all season, which brought me to. The fruits of the spirit. And those come straight out of Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So he gives you nine fruits of the spirit. And for me, those are the fruits that I'm yielding. I'll yield those fruits in season, which means when, when the season calls for love, I'll yield love. When it calls for joy, I'll give joy. When it calls for peace, I'll give peace. And so it's crazy to me how the fruits of the spirit line up with the things that he said it was my purpose to spread. And that if I'm spreading those things, then that's part of the promise. I'm like a tree planted, yielding fruit in all seasons, never went. So I'll always be able to do my purpose As long as I don't take counsel from wicked and I don't um, stay in the company of people who mock or I don't and I meditate on the word and continue studying the word. And so I wanted to do a sermon series on the fruit of the spirits, because in my going to God, I really want to try to understand what fruit it is I'm supposed to be spreading, what it looks like when I spread it, what does it mean to spread those things, and what does it mean to have those fruits of the Spirit. And so I wanted to start with love because love is my favorite. It just, it just is. I don't know how to explain it. I just love love. And I don't think there's a better scripture for love than the one that comes out of First Corinthians. So, 1 Corinthians, and I want to read all, like, not all of 1 Corinthians 13, but 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8 is kind of where I want to stop. And it says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardships that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects and always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. When I read that, 
And when I've heard that, and most of us have heard four through seven, right? The love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in it in evil but rejoices with truth it always protects always trusts always hopes always perseveres love never fails all of us not maybe not all of us but a lot of us most of us know that part of it but i think the most important part is the first three the first three scriptures here because he tells you and we have to remember God has already, Jesus has already told them they, which, of the, which of the commandments are the greatest commandments. And he said above all of these is love. Love God first and then love thy neighbor as you love thyself. The greatest commandment is love, right? And so he says, even if you speak in the tongue of men or of angels, that means even if you can communicate better than anyone else, you can communicate with each other, you can communicate with God, you have one-on-one communication with the angels, even if you can do that, but you don't have love, your communication won't be audible, it won't make sense to the people, so your gifting of communication, if it's not sown with love, it won't connect. Even if you know all things, as you have the gift of prophecy, so you can see you have the best vision. You can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. You know everything. But if you don't have love, knowing everything does nothing because you have nothing. You are nothing. It says, even if you have faith that can move mountains, if you believe in God for everything. But you don't love You are nothing. Even if you give all of your possessions away, you give everything you have, you give your body, but you don't have love, you won't receive anything for your gifts. And I think that is so. I think that is so impactful because I wasn't taught that. I wasn't taught. It doesn't matter what your gifting is. If you don't love hard, if you don't put love first, your gifting will not matter. It will never make a difference. You cannot make a difference on earth or in heaven if you don't love the people around you. And then it goes into, well, what is love? And obviously the first one, love is patient. And what I think that really what I think that really goes into for me is I I have a tendency to want other people to understand things and do things and want things and try things at the same level with the same pace that I do and want and try. But when you really love someone You give them space and time to figure out who they are and who they want to be, right? When you really love someone, you allow them to find their own way. And I can only really relate this to, like, my grandma with me, right? My grandma was super religious, loved God, 
And as far as I know, always had, like was in Bible study as a little girl. And she she put that on us, right? She wanted us to be religious. She took us to church. It was a non-negotiable. That was, if you lived in her house, you were going to church on Sunday. And you were probably going on Tuesday and Wednesday and Saturday too. And that was just, it was, that was it. There was nothing you could say or do about it. And realistically, most of us didn't want to, but at the same time, we still wanted to find our own way. At least I did. Like I was really, I don't want to call myself rebellious, but that is what it is. I was rebellious. And I wanted to make sure that the God I was serving, the God my grandma served was the God I wanted to serve. Like he was the God that wanted me and I wanted him. Like I wanted to make sure that I wasn't following God just because my parents did and because my grandma told me to, but because I wanted to follow God. And realistically, God wants that. God wants that for you. He wants you to study and show thyself approved. He really does. God really does want you to love him for yourself and not for others. God doesn't want you to love him because people told you to, but because you believe he is your Lord and he wants you to accept him for yourself. To the point where he told his disciples, if they don't let you enter, if they're not willing to let you enter, they're not listening to you, move on and go find somebody else. Right? Because love is patient. And I think what my grandma allowed for me to do once I got to a certain age, she allowed me to question religion. She allowed me to question her God, the God that she believed in unwaveringly. Like she did not doubt God, at least not in my head, like not openly to where I I knew she was doubting God. She had the utmost faith. Like no matter what was going on, she felt like God would persevere and God would get her out of it. God would see her through whatever the issue was, whatever the challenge may be. And. Even with that, she allowed me to say, I get that you love God and I get that you believe that, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's how I feel about it. And she, she gave me the space and said, okay, fine. You can figure it out. Like, I want you to figure it out for yourself. When you come to me, you know what I'm going to tell you. Pray about it. Are you going to church? Are you talking to God? Are you, are you reading the Bible? You know what I'm going to say. But when I would say, no, I'm not reading the Bible, I'm meditating. No, I'm not reading the Bible, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. No, I'm not reading the Bible, I'm trying to figure it out for myself. She would say, okay, well, figure it out and let me know what you, what you come up with. Ask me whatever questions you want. And I was able to, like, I, I was able to ask her, why do you believe in God? Like, What has he done for you that makes you really believe in him so wholeheartedly? She allowed me to say, how do you know that God is real? How do you know that he's not like when you die, he's not just going to be nothing up there? She allowed me to ask those questions and she allowed me to question her and her faith because she knew in herself. This is not just who I am. God is my Lord and Savior. I don't have to worry about not having the answer to the question because he is the answer to the question. And so she, she allowed me to have that space. She was very patient with me. And that is not just the ultimate sign of love, but it is love. Love is patient. 
And then all of us can clearly understand love is kind. Because love won't allow you to hurt other people. If you truly love someone, you don't want to hurt them. If you truly love someone, you want what's best for them. And so you can't say you love someone and you're unkind to them because love is kind. Then it says it does not envy. And that's the one that's hard for humans, right? For us earthly beings. It is hard hard for us not to be jealous of what someone else has or has gotten or what someone else has been blessed with. Because a lot of times, at least for me, I know the life I live and I know how much I give to people and I know how much I strive for excellence. I know how hard I work. And so when I see other people being blessed and I'm not being blessed or I don't feel like I'm being blessed, because let's let's face it, we don't always know what the blessing looks like. A lot of times. The blessing is not getting the blessing we asked for. Right? A lot of times the blessing is I've prayed for something. God knows it's not what I need. And so he doesn't give it to me because he knows that giving it to me would hurt me. It would it would like I'm not ready for it. God knows that the blessing I'm asking for may put a may dim my light a little bit, may may take away from his greatness, may take the shine away from me having faith in him. And so. He doesn't always give you what you ask for. And so we think, oh, I'm not being blessed, but these people are getting what they're these people are getting what I'm asking for. So they must be receiving the blessing that I should be getting. And that can't be farther from the truth. Right. Like that can't because God is always going to bless you in due time, in his time, in his perfect timing, God is going to give you what it is you need, which also brings you back to love is patient. Because if you truly love God, you don't rush him because he knows what you need. But at the same time, he's patient with you because he knows what you need to do to get there. He's told you what you need to do to get to where you can receive the blessing. And sometimes you're just not doing it. And so he's still patient with you because he still loves you. But you have to be patient with him and trust that he knows what's best for you because you love him. But that envy for me is it, it killed like comparison is the thief of joy. Right. It, it's that for me because it's easy to compare. It's easy to look around and see what other people have. It's easy to look around and see what you, not even necessarily what they have, but what you think they have. What you, what it appears they may have, what they portray themselves as having. Whether that be, oh, I portray myself as having a happy marriage. I portray myself as being in a stable relationship. I portray myself as being financially stable or financially free. I portray myself as being able to go on whatever vacation and live a lavish lifestyle. But you never know first what it took to get there. And then second, whether or not they're even happy or have joy while they're there. And so a lot of times we're envious of our ideas of people and not the actual people. We're envious of our our ideas of situations and not the actual situation. And that's why I think 
love is, does not envy. Love does I, I love does not envy because if you love somebody, you're not going to judge them based on what is appearing. You're not going to judge them off assumptions. You're going to get to know them and you're going to understand the work that they put into getting that blessing. You're going to understand the journey that they had to go through, the battles they had to face in order to get to where they are. So you're no longer jealous because you're celebrating you made it through, right? When you love somebody, you celebrate their blessings with them. You don't get jealous of them. When you love somebody, you celebrate that they made it through the battle. You celebrate that they got over the mountain. You celebrate that God recognized their faithfulness and rewarded them with their blessing. That's what you're so you celebrate when you love somebody. You don't get jealous of what they have, what they got. And I think that for me, that's such a I mean, I'm not gonna cap with you. I'm I'm it it really is a hard thing for me. Because even though God's favor and God's grace is unmerited and unearned and undeserved, we still as humans, I still as a human feel like I deserve certain things, right? I still feel like, okay, God, I heard you tell me to stop doing X and I stopped doing it, not ecstasy, like stop doing this particular thing. God, I heard you tell me to stop doing this particular thing. And so I stopped doing it and I stopped doing it for a long time. Why hasn't my life changed? God, I heard you tell me to not do this anymore, but you're still blessing these people and they still do that. So why do they get to do it and I don't get to do it? Why do they get to have this freedom and this luxury and this, this abundance of fun? Like the things that God is telling me to stop doing, they're not like, God ain't never told me to stop reading my Bible, right? God tells me to, like, God told me to stop drinking at one point, right? God told me, okay, stop going out with those people. And my response, God, those are my fun friends. And then in the midst of me not being able to go out with those people and not being able to hang with that group, and he said, replace that time. Anytime they ask you to hang out, say no. And instead, I want you to do, I want you to read your Bible, One scripture, and I want you to study that, and I want you to meditate on that while they're out having fun. And I'm like, okay, God, that's what I'll do. And so I started doing that, and I was like, okay, but God, they're making these life-lasting memories. Like, and one person even, you know, got a job from it. One person, like, so they're, they're, they're getting an abundance. They're getting blessed doing what you told me not to do. They're finding lifelong mates. You know, getting in serious relationships, building families, doing what you told me not to do. How is that fair, God? And he's and that was one of the first times where he gave me, you know, stop comparing yourself to other people because you're comparing You're comparing your blessing to their blessing, but you're not comparing your journey to their journey. You're not comparing your struggle to their struggle. So you want what they have, but do you want to go what they went through to get there? And even more than that, you're comparing, again, the idea 
of what they have, the idea of their blessing, the portrayal of their blessing. You're you're comparing the portrayal of their blessing to the actual blessing you want. But what if the portrayal, the picture of their blessing isn't what you actually want? See, stop being envious. Love does not envy. If you if you really love that person, if you really celebrate with them, celebrate with them. Don't covet what they want. And then he says, love does not boast. So when I bless you. You don't get to pretend you did this on your own. You don't get to pretend that God loves you more than he loves everybody else. Because it's just not true. God wants to bless everybody. God's love is equal to everybody. God loves the saint just as much as he loves the sinner. And vice versa. God loves the sinner just as much as he loves the saint. God loves, and this this is hard. This one, this part of it really for me wasn't that difficult to grasp. Because it's, it's kind of how I want to be, like how I envision myself being, right? God loves the atheist just as much as he loves the person who reads his Bible every day, prays every day, goes to him in all circumstances. He loves both of those people the exact same amount. He wants to save both of those people the exact same amount. He wants to bless both of those people the exact same amount. God doesn't love one of us more than he loves the other. God loves... The serial killer. God loves Jeffrey Dahmer just as much as God loves Pastor Michael Todd. God loves me just as much as God loves Ted Bundy. God loves the person who molested the child just as much as he loves the person who baptized the child. He doesn't he doesn't have a a standard of how much he loves one person over the other. Now, he doesn't love the sin, but he loves the sinner. And he asks us to do the same thing. Right. And so when I say it's it does not boast when I when I hear that, I don't even just think I don't get to take claim for what God has done. But I also hear I don't get to claim he did it for me because he loves me more. I don't get to claim that God blessed me because of something I did. God blessed me because he wanted to. God's blessing is always just grace. The unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor of God. I didn't do anything to earn it. I couldn't have. There is nothing on earth I can do to warrant God giving me a blessing. So... If there's nothing I can do, that means there's nothing you could have done and there's nothing that makes me better. Therefore, there's nothing for me to boast about. So love doesn't boast because I can't. If I truly love God, then I know that I don't deserve his blessing. And if I truly love others, then I know that I should be letting them know that God loves them just as much as he loves me. And so anything I have, they can also get for them. Whatever is for them, God will give it to them. 
with no, with no questions, with no limits. God wants to bless us abundantly. He doesn't want to put a cap on his blessings for us. He wants to bless us in so over and abundantly. He wants our cup to be running over so that we have no choice but to give to others. Like God wants us to be like Peter in the boats, right? So they went, they went out to the boats and God told them to go somewhere else and cast their nets. And they were like, that's not where the fish are, God. That's not what we've been doing. And these are expert fishermen. And he tells them, cast your nets anyway. And they go out and they do it. And they cast their nets and they get so many fish in their boat that their boats begin to fall out. Right. So that they literally can't fall over. They literally can't hold the amount of fish, the amount of blessing that God is trying to give them. So they have no choice but to share it with others and call people in to be blessed. And they can't say, look at this blessing we've done. Right. At the end of that, Peter says, forget this. I'm done doing what I've been doing after the best Day of my life, my best day on my job. I'm now going to forget what I've been doing and go to serve the person. Go serve the God who allowed me to do it because it was only him that could have done this for me. It wasn't about me. He could have said, "Okay, now let me write a book showing everybody how to get all the fish. He didn't do that because love does not boast. And then it says it is not proud. It it has like. I have no reason to be proud or to be prideful because it wasn't me that did it. Whatever blessings I have didn't come from decisions I made. The blessings I have came from the grace of God. Now, there may be some decisions you have to make in order for God to want to bless you. He does have to know that he can trust you with the blessing. But the decision to bless me wasn't a me thing. It was a God thing. And then it says... It does not dishonor others. If you love someone, you're not going to do something that makes them look bad. Children with parents. If you love your parents, you aren't going to embarrass them by going to school and acting a fool. Parents with children. If you love your kids, you're not going to embarrass them in public by posting their punishment on social media. Because it doesn't dishonor others. Love doesn't make you do things like I'm when people when parents say, oh, I'm doing this because I love him and I want to show him or her that the world is not going to be forgiving and yada yada. You're not doing that out of love. You're doing that out of anger. You may be doing it out of spite because that child embarrassed you. And so you feel the need to embarrass them back. You embarrass me in public. I'm embarrassed you in public. That's not love. That's not discipline. That's dishonor. And love does not dishonor. Love is not self-seeking. Right? I'm not going to do what's best for me all the time if I love someone else. Sometimes because I love someone else or something else, I have to do what's best for the majority. Right? Sometimes, Sometimes what's best for me is not what I have to do to show my love. It's not always easy to call somebody just to check on them. Sometimes it's very inconvenient to check on your friends. 
Sometimes it's very inconvenient to answer the phone when someone needs you. Sometimes it's very inconvenient to stop what you're doing and stop where you're going to help the people on the side of the road. Sometimes it's very inconvenient to pay for someone else's groceries, but it's love. And then these next two are the ones that really eat at me. And a lot of people who know me now wouldn't think so. But it is not easily angered. Is me up and down, back and forth, left to right. And it was this scripture, because this is my sister's favorite scripture. And so she was talking about it one day and she was just kind of telling me just in a phone conversation why this is her favorite scripture. And she got to that part and she was like, and I just like, I can't be angry all the time with my husband because that's not what God wants from me when I love him. He wants for me to be patient with him. He wants for me to be understanding of him. Not to be easily angered. So I have to slow down. And I was like, my goodness. That is, like, that's been my problem. My problem, my, my anger issues came from a lack of love. Like, I, I felt like if you were doing something to me, you can't possibly love me. And if you don't love me, I'm not loving you. Therefore, I'm going to be angry. I'm going to get angry. I'm going to retaliate out of anger. I'm going to yell and scream because that's the way I feel like I have to show my emotions. But it says love is not easily angered. So now when someone hurts me, when someone does something that hurts my feelings, the first thing I do is I let them know. Mm-mm, that hurt. Mm-mm, I'm, I'm not going to get angry at you for this. I'm not going to be mad at you for this. But it hurt. It, it, it doesn't feel good. I feel like you're taking advantage of me. I feel like you don't understand my struggle. I feel like you're not listening to me. I feel like you don't care about me. I feel like you don't want me to be successful. But I don't get angry because I still love you. And in a lot of cases, they love me too. Have, we, have you noticed that it's really hard for people who you don't care about and don't care about you to make you angry? Like the people who make us the most angry are the people we love the most. It's so much easier for my for my friends, my best friends and my family that's close to me. It's so much easier for them to get under my skin than the random lady at Walmart. Right. I hate you coming from your child is so much stronger than I hate you coming from just a random fool at the grocery store. It's so much more strong because that anger comes from a different place. It's a different, it's a different level. I, like I, uh, um, a teacher of mine used to tell me, you can't hate something unless you loved it first. And that's what I feel like this is telling us, right? Love is not easily angered. So if you really love something, you'll be patient with it. Ooh. You'll be kind to it because you're not going to be angry. You, you, won't, you won't dishonor it. You won't do something to make it look bad. And when you're angry, you do all of those things. You're not kind to people when you're angry. Right? You're not patient with people when you're angry. You, you try to make people look bad. You don't go against dishonoring people when you're angry. So when you get angry, you do all of the things that love tells you you can't do. 
And then it says it keeps no records of wrongs. Ooh, I used to, I, I used to, I still sometimes find myself bringing up, well, remember when you, well, remember how you, remember that time when I thought, but you did. Love doesn't do that. Because love forgives. L- love, love doesn't keep record of wrong because if you really love somebody you'll forgive them as soon as they do it so when people are like well i'll forgive but i won't forget but the bible says if you love them you have to you can't keep a record of the wrong that is literally going against the bible you can't keep a record of the wrong you have to forget it's what the bible tells you to do the bible said jesus says Love keeps no record of wrongs. So if you're if you're if you're not forgetting, you can't really be forgiving. Because you're keeping a record of the wrong and that's not what love does. That is not a sign of love. You can hold someone accountable, but once you once you hold them accountable, you have to then move forward. And truly move forward, not the fake move forward that a lot of us do. And then it says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth, which tells you right there that the opposite of truth is not lie. The opposite of truth is evil, which means any lie is evil. And if you're lying to someone, you don't love them because love will not let you lie to people. Even when you know that the lie may hurt a little bit, it may sting a little bit, telling the truth or even when you know that telling the truth may hurt a little bit or may sting a little bit, it's always better than a lie. Now, some of us try to try to hide our vanity, try to hide our anger, try to hide our mean spiritedness, try to hide our evilness in under the guise of honesty and under the guise of truth. And that's not love either because that's rejoicing in evil as well. But you you can't lie to somebody and say you love them. Because you want people to be able to make the best decision with the, be- with the most information. Right? And how can they do that if you're lying to them? If they don't have all of the correct information, they can't make the best possible decision. And when you love people, you want them to do what's best for them. You want, because it's not self-seeking, right? Because it's kind. Because it won't dishonor others. See how these, all of these, they intertwine and they intermingle and they intermix. And that's not a coincidence because love is something that's so all-encompassing in who you are as a person. That when you're doing it honestly and you're doing it truthfully. Then all of these things that you you can't do in order to truly show that you love somebody, they work together. It says love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. That means you don't you don't give up easy when you love something. Love is hard. Ooh, love is hard because. The same way you're not always going to love people the way they deserve to be loved. 
The same way you're not always going to be honest. The same way you're not always going to be um, forgiving. The same way you're not always going to make sure that you're not boasting. The same way you're not always going to um, make sure that you're not delighting in wrongdoings. The same way you're not going to always be patient. The same way you're not always going to be kind. The same way you're not always going to be celebrating your friends and celebrating your loved ones. That person you love, they're not perfect either. And I know I used to, I I made the mistake of forgetting that my parents and my grandma were people. I made the mistake of forgetting that my family members were people. I expected perfection from them. I expected them to love me perfectly. I expected them to be patient and kind and not envy and not boast and not be proud and not do anything to embarrass me and not be self-seeking and not get angry with me and not keep a record of my wrongs and not to delight in the evil, but always tell me the truth. I expected those things from them perfectly. And so when they didn't do it, I was upset and I was ready to give up on them. Oh, I'm just not going to talk to them anymore. Oh, I don't have to. I don't have to go to their functions anymore. I don't have to be around them. I can cut them off. But love perseveres. Love fights through the battles. Love, love fights through the imperfection. Love says, OK, you didn't love me perfectly here. But I'm not going to be angry with you because it's not easily angered. And I'm going to tell you the truth because it did hurt. But I'm not going to keep a record of this wrong. I'm going to be patient with you and I'm going to work with you through this. I'm going to persevere because that's what love does. Love protects. It, it, it makes sure that if I love you, I'm going to make sure that no harm comes to you to the best of my ability. And a lot of times that means protecting you from me. A lot of times that means I have to make sure that I'm loving you right so that you don't get hurt by me. If I'm protecting you, I'm trying to make sure that I give you the space to where you can also love patiently. You can also love with kindness. You can also love without being easily angered. You can also love without boasting. And I'll tell you the truth, which means I'll hold you accountable because that's what love does. But I'm not going to keep record of wrongs with you. I'm going to be patient with you while you work through it because I'm protecting you and making sure that you, just like me, get where we're trying to go. We're, We're achieving our purpose. We're walking in our purpose because that's what love does. It protects. And part of that protection is making sure that at the end of this, I'm protecting your eternity. And it says love always trusts. Ooh, that's hard because a lot of us don't trust nobody. And so that's why I think when it says love, love yourself as you love your neighbor. That's super important. It's super important because a lot of us don't trust ourselves, but love always trusts. A lot of us can't trust others because we don't know how to love them first, right? We we don't trust that this person will do what's best for us. We don't trust that this person will have our best interests at heart. 
And so we do these things, we make these mistakes because we're not really giving ourselves to them. We're not trusting that they will hold us up. We're not trusting that they'll protect us. We're not trusting that they'll love us back the same way we love them with the same vigor and the same, the same force. But you know what you have to do? You have to hope. Because love always hopes. Love is always that thing that's going to say, you know what? It wasn't perfect, but it can be. It wasn't perfect, but we'll figure it out. I, I hope that this person will come around. I'm going to love you until you do, and I hope that you do. Because that's what love does. It won't fail. You will win. It, it's just that way. It's just that simple. When you love the way that the Bible tells you to love, and you don't have to guess, it tells you exactly how to do it. You won't fail. You will be successful. And so will your love. So will your relationship. So will your friendships. So will your family members. You'll win. And that's all God wants you to do. God wants you to win. 